Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. John's first epistle is a short book, but very rich in content. It is composed of three main sections. First, it presents the fellowship of the divine life in a marvelous way. The second section covers the teaching of the anointing, while the third develops the virtues of the divine birth. Today, we come to section two, the teaching of the anointing from chapter two, and verse 27 gives us a wonderful summary of this critical matter in the Christian life. And as for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone teach you. But as his anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and even as it has taught you, abide in him. Happy to have John Pastor here for this fellowship today. This is a marvelous matter, profound and very meaningful, isn't it, John? Well, I was just marveling as I was preparing for this message how mysterious and how deep this matter is because many, many outlines just do not focus in and narrow in on the teaching of the anointing as a critical aspect in this gospel. But Witness Lee does, and he does it in a very mysterious and experiential way, and hopefully we can touch that in the course of this program today. Yeah, it is mysterious, but by saying that, I think we don't want to imply that it's beyond the reach of the typical believer. This is a portion for all of God's people, all of his children to enter into, isn't it? The way that John presents it, the anointing is for every believer at every stage of their life in their experience of the divine light. It is mysterious, but it's not beyond our experience. In fact, it is the very basis and essence of our experience. Every believer has the anointing, and every believer can experience the anointing, and when every believer experiences that anointing, there is a further knowing, a further revelation of the triune God in their experience and in their daily life. We will see that it is connected today very directly to the growth in life, but I appreciate, as you just said, and as we read in John 2.27, John says without any qualifiers, you have received this anointing, speaking to all of God's people, whether we're the little children or the young men or even the fathers. This is not a funny thing like a vial of oil. Yeah. This is the reality of the triune God experienced within the believer and through the believers and in their daily living. Well, we have a number of programs ahead of us that are going to be devoted to this topic in one way or another. This is our first program on the anointing. So why don't we join Witness Lee with this section, and then we'll come back to uh, begin to fellowship this marvelous point. This book is mainly composed with three sections. Number one, um, the fellowship of the divine life from chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 11. Then from chapter 2, verse 12 through verse 27. This section is on the teaching of the divine anointing. Then from chapter 2, verse 28, to the very end of the book, 
This is a long section. Cover one point. The virtues of the divine birth. Three divine things. The divine life, the divine anointing, and the divine birth. Now we begin the second section on the teaching of the divine anointing. The anointing is just a function of the ointment. It is not just anointing of certain oil, but it is the anointing of the compound ointment. The word anointing was firstly used in Exodus chapter 30, where there was the uh, revelation of uh, the compound ointment with which the entire tabernacle and the entire priesthood were anointed. In John's writing, he wrote the things based upon the basic things in the Old Testament. In John chapter 1, you could see he used the word tabernacle, and he also used the word lamb of God. Even there, he referred us back to Jacob's dream regarding the heavenly ladder pointing us to Bethel. So, in the same principle, whatever is here in his epistle is basically in the Old Testament. The word anointing used by John is referring us back to the Old Testament. The rich ingredients of the compound ointment was a full type of the all-inclusive, life-giving spirit being the very processed triune God. And uh, the anointing is just a function of such a spirit. John, it does seem that uh, the Apostle John, along with Paul, both of these ones frequently made reference to types from the Old Testament to convey the rich, the riches in the New Testament. And John, as he just indicated, brought up the tabernacle, the Lamb of God, the heavenly ladder, and this one particularly, the holy anointing oil from Exodus chapter 30. Let's talk a little bit about that type. We don't have time to go into a lot of the detail, but uh, why is this a good picture of this matter of the anointing? Well, the Apostle John focuses in on the anointing, not simply because it's a rich type in the Old Testament that's fulfilled in the New Testament, but it's a type full of deep and meaningful significance in the Old Testament, and therefore he wants to carry over that same significance into our New Testament experience. It was a compound ointment. It was an ointment of oil that different various ingredients were added to, and that ointment was poured out over all of the tabernacle and over all of the priests. It covered them completely. It was a covering ointment that sanctified and separated and and made those elements in God's purpose and plan special and significant. And John brings that same 
symbology into the New Testament when he says, we have received an anointing, which is this moving ointment, which is the very triune God himself. This is the Holy Spirit that the elements of Christ's human living, his death, his resurrection, his ascension have been compounded and added into this spirit. And so when we receive the spirit, we receive Christ with all of his wonderful attributes, all of his wonderful uh, accomplishments, and they can be applied and experienced in our daily living. And so John wants to say that as a believer, we need to be people who are covered with this moving spirit and uh, energized by this moving spirit functioning who is nothing less than the very process triune God himself. And it covers us, and it fills us, and it is the very meaning and purpose of our life, to have received this spirit. The word anointing actually has a sort of a dual uh, connotation. On the one hand, it's a noun. It is the actual uh, ointment itself, which, as you said, we see typified in Exodus 30, this uh, compound ointment produced with the pure olive oil, and then these specific spices all indicating aspects of the life and death and work of Christ added to it. But there's also a verbal uh, context, isn't there, in which the anointing is applied? Well, I really appreciated this point that Witness Lee made, that John doesn't say you have received an ointment. He says you have received an anointing. So it's a verbal noun. It is a moving, active noun. It's not something that you get and pour over someone's head. It is, it's the living, moving, operating God himself. We have received God himself as an active, moving force in our lives. And uh, excellent setup for where we're going to go in this next section, because I think one of the common mistakes that is made when people are considering this matter They apply it only to the third so-called person of the Godhead, only to the Spirit. But actually, it is uh, altogether involved with the entire triune God himself. And we'll hear in this coming section, there's no ability to apprehend, appreciate the anointing if it does not lead us into a deep realization of the very triune God himself. Because in this next section, when he's talking about the anointing, you'll notice that he really refers only to the Father and the Son. So it's the Spirit as the anointing, as the moving anointing that is bringing us into an experiential understanding and appreciation of the Father and the Son. There is no separation. It is the entire triune God wrapped up as this compound ointment living and moving in our daily living. So when we experience this divine anointing, we are not experiencing just one-third of the Godhead. That's exactly right. Well, let's uh, provide a couple verses here for backdrop because he wants to uh, underscore how critical the matter of the triune God, the Trinity, is in this whole discussion and understanding of the anointing. And to see that Many books in the New Testament have the triune God as their very structure, and a couple of examples would be 2 Corinthians, the last verse of which is such a clear verse representing or conveying the triune God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then uh, let's point out that the book of Revelation, the final book in the Bible, begins establishing the triune God as its structure. Uh, In chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, John to the seven churches, grace to you and peace. Listen to this description of the triune God. From him who is and who was and who is coming, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Clearly, the triune God. Uh, We can't miss it here now, can we? Here's Witness Lee once more. 
this section of the Holy Word is a section that concerns the Trinity. If you don't have the light, you can never see Trinity here is very thoroughly covered. This teaching of the divine anointing concerns the divine trinity. Yet, its concern is according to our growth in life. And this means the more growth in life we have, the more concern we have for the trinity. Let me tell you, the entire New Testament is structured with the trinity. In some of the books, like uh, Ephesians, in every chapter you have the structure of the Trinity. And the two Corinthians end in what way? The grace of Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you. This is not a benediction. This is a revelation. Then you know, in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, it opens in what way? May the grace of the one who are, who is, and who is to come, and also of the seven spirit before the throne of God, and also of Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, and who is now the king of kings. You see, Revelation opens with the structure of the Trinity. This is why I'm so burdened, because I'm not teaching theology, I'm not teaching philosophy, I am burdened to impart all the things I have learned of the Lord concerning his word in the past 58 years. The revelation of the Bible just revealed the Trinity. If you take away the divine Trinity, there's no divine revelation. John, this is intriguing to me, and I ask this question honestly, and if you can't answer it, it will go on to something else. But right at the beginning of his presentation of this matter of the anointing and the experience of the anointing, he just kind of leaps headlong into how critical the Trinity is. And as he said, obviously, it's not because his burden here was to impart theology. There must be a critical linkage here. Well, I think he's actually touching the depths of John's concern and John's realization of what the believers need. And that is the triune God himself. We need the triune God, and our only real source in the fellowship of the divine life is the triune God. And the triune God is the essence and the structure of the anointing, and it's the essence and the structure of this particular section. So it's not a leap for John to go from the anointing to talking about the triune God, because they're one and the same. The living, moving, triune God whom we have received and who wants to live and move and operate in our being on a daily basis is the anointing. If we have any other realization about the anointing, if we think the anointing is some kind of impulse to, say, do this or some kind of instruction— or it's some kind of feeling, it's some kind of sensation, right, uh, right, then right. we'll be fooled. We have to have the deeper realization that the anointing is the triune God himself, and it's the triune God making himself real to us 
in our daily life. And so John brings the believers in this section. As soon as he mentions the anointing, he starts talking about the triune God. He starts talking about the Father and the Son. And knowing the Father and knowing the Son, the function of the anointing is to teach us concerning the triune God. This is what the anointing does. If you're having an experience of the anointing, you are learning and experiencing the triune God himself. And so we have to recognize that the very structure of the New Testament is designed to bring us into the reality of the New Testament, and the structure is the triune God, and its purpose is to bring us into the triune God. Oh, excellent. Well, he made reference to the growth in life. We talked about it earlier. That's really where we're uh, coming in this last uh, portion and how the growth in life is directly also related to the degree to which we really uh, apprehend the divine anointing. I thought it would be helpful. We better read a few verses here to give our our listeners a good background. I write to you, he says in chapter 2, verse 12, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you because of his name, I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, young children, because you know the Father. So uh, we're all children in a sense, but he does give us some categories here that do seem to indicate various levels in our spiritual growth and progress, doesn't he? And isn't it good that he presents us as children rather than as students or as followers? We're not, in other words... We are children related to each other according to the divine life. We're not students that are just gaining outward doctrinal knowledge. We're not just followers that are participating in some kind of organized activity. We're children. John views all the believers as children, those intimately related to each other and to the triune God based upon their mutual participation and fellowship in the divine life. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee, John. In this section, John, he wrote... A word, no doubt, concerning the deep truth of the Trinity. But he wrote in this way. In a way, based upon growth in life of the believers. So, verse 12 begins with this address. I write to you, little children. In his following verses, he classified all his little children into uh, three groups. The fathers, the young men, and the young children. Verse 12, I write to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven. You know, in the gospel, the forgiveness of sin is the first basic factor. Then, verse 13, I write to you, fathers, you see. Now, some of the little children are the fathers. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Uh Uh-huh. John doesn't say, you know the Son of God, or you know Jesus Christ, but him who is from the beginning. This is the eternal pre-existing one. That is our Christ. To know the Lord Jesus as the eternal and pre-existing one is a matter of experience. It is not a matter of knowledge. We have to experience him. The Apostle John didn't ascribe 
such qualification to young ones. He ascribed this qualification to whom? To the fathers. Among us, there are some fathers. To know the Lord in such an experienced way needs years and years of experience. Then I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Then, thirdly, I write to you, young children, because you have known the Father. The Father. These are little children. They only know Daddy, right? They know their Daddy. Fathers, young men, young children, this is a degree of the growth in life. If we are going to understand the Trinity, which is very much covered in this short section, we must be in the procedure of the growth in life. John, this is experiential, but clearly the Apostle John is presenting us with uh, the fact, as you said, we are all little children. But within that broad category, these subcategories, fathers, young men, young children, very much predicated on our spiritual growth and not the growth in book knowledge about God, uh, but a knowledge that is gained, as he said, through years of experiencing him. What is it to be brought into a knowledge of Christ as the pre-existing and eternal one, for example? Well, I appreciate the point that Witness Lee makes, that the teaching of the anointing is concerning the divine trinity according to the believer's growth in life. This means that at whatever stage a believer is at, there is the possibility for them to know something of the triune God. And as they progress in that knowledge, as they progress in that experience, it only deepens and it becomes further and it becomes broader. Eventually you get to the point where you're a father and you have this kind of experiential understanding of the pre-existing eternal Christ who's the word of life who was from the beginning. This is an absolute understanding and realization of Christ in his divinity and even in his humanity. I think it's very important to realize that in this section, John is fighting a battle. Yeah, He's fighting a battle against heresies, and he presents the triune God as the antidote to heresy. And I think we have to realize that the real antidote to the kinds of negative speakings that come and affect our faith mm-hmm. is to have an ever-deepening experience of the triune God as the anointing. Mm. That supplies us and strengthens us to withstand all of the heresies that are against the speaking concerning Christ as the Son of God, concerning Christ as God himself. I think the real way to fight heresy is to know the triune God. Yeah. And he does it in two ways. There's really only two things that can assist a person in overcoming heresies. One is the reality of the triune God himself, and two, the believer's experience of that reality. And he kind of sums those two points up into this thing that he calls the anointing. The anointing is the reality of the triune God, and the anointing is the believer's experience of the triune God. And so in this anointing, we have the capacity and capability to withstand anything. Book knowledge will not stop the heretical speakings from having a damaging impact on the believer's experience. But the believer's experience of the triune God and the realization that the triune God is real will have a great strengthening effect 
And here's the encouraging thing. If you're taking care of a new one and they receive a negative speaking and they begin to waver in their faith, what we should do is not try to bring them to an understanding of all the doctrines and the creeds. We should remind them of their experiences. And they have some experience of the anointing even as a little child. We can remind them, oh, don't you remember what it was like when you believed in the Lord and you received the forgiveness of the sins and the peace of God that flooded your being and how it was so real to you that Christ was God and you had this kind of wonderful, marvelous experience? That wasn't emotion. That was the triune God coming in and forgiving your sins and imparting his life into your being. And by bringing the believers, the young children, the young men back to wherever they are in their stage in the growth Mm, in life, we can inoculate the believers and bring them on to the next level. Yeah, I think that's a great point to close on. And it's somewhat we've opened the program, regardless of where we're at in our spiritual development, whether we're just these young children who can only relate to him as our father, as our daddy, as Abba Father, fully appreciative of the fact our sins are forgiven, or whether we have progressed in a bit deeper knowledge of him. The anointing is available to the whole plethora of God's children to take them even further, to inoculate and protect. This really needs to be a revelation to us, and I would say a revolution in our thinking regarding this matter of the anointing. It's a marvelous thing that we have received an anointing. Let's just say amen and stop there. Thanks, John. Appreciate your fellowship Thank today. You. Our toll-free number, if you'd like to contact us about the printed material and other resources we have available, is one eight 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 Life Study eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. For John Pastor, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. To discover more of what Living Stream has to offer, please visit ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll be able to read over 600 titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee online and free of charge. Again, the website, ministrybooks.org. Thanks for listening today.